This is the Roots to Risk podcast hosted by Eric Schneider alongside Isaac Bach. Roots to Risk brings you insights, the latest stories, and long-form discussions about the cannabis industry. You'll hear interviews with industry leaders and their perspective on current and future trends, how they've built success, and what challenges they have faced. Our goal is to facilitate candid conversations and provide informative content for the cannabis community at large. Let's go. What is going on, Isaac? We are back. We are back. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I know you're calling from Denver. It's upsetting. You moved away from me, but it's okay. We've only ever done one of these in person together, so it's not that much different. I'll forgive you. It's okay. Um... But no, we're uh, we're back here and, and super excited for who we have on deck today. Joe Moore, uh, one of the co-founders of Psychedelics Today, which is you know for anybody in the psychedelic space, you know they're uh, a massive education media platform. They have a tremendous podcast with you know over five million downloads. Hopefully, that's reached to risk one day. We'll see, Isaac. Who knows? Probably not. They, they have a few years. Ahead. <laughs> yeah, they've been they've been at it for seven and a half years. Uh, really started a podcast before podcasts were a thing, um, and really excited to have him on. Provide his insight into the industry. You know what he's seen since his time starting back seven years ago, and the the growth that we've seen up to today. Yeah, I think uh, Joe's going to provide some unique insight. Um, as someone who's been around the psychedelic industry for so long, um, you know, given the fact that it hasn't been even close to mainstream that long, so he, he's seeing it all the way through. So it'll be good to good to get his insight on where the industry is currently and where it's going. Absolutely. Well, let's bring him in and hear from him directly. Hey, Joe, how are we doing today? Thanks for joining us on the uh, Roots to Risk podcast. Appreciate your time. Absolutely, I'm doing great today. How about you guys? Doing well, doing well. Excited to. We actually took a little bit of a hiatus because we we did a lot early on, and yours is the first of uh, the first one back. So we're super excited to get back into the the thick of it. And um, obviously, you know, we're very familiar with psychedelics today and, and what you've built. Uh, really tremendous. And we'd love to just get a little bit more on background of psychedelics today, and and really, you know, your journey into the space. Yeah, great. I'm happy to lay that out. So I started, uh, well, let's talk about what it is, and then I'll backtrack. So Psychedelic Day is a media and education company. We've had about 5.5 million downloads so far on our podcast. We've had hundreds of students through our really amazing programs. I think uh, probably approaching 13,000 students enrolled in our e-learning platform, which is amazing. And um, we're almost at that 100K mark on Instagram. Let's hope we can keep our account alive uh, and not to take too many uh, meta risks, you know? So mm-hmm. <laughs> is that a thing in cannabis people losing their Instagram accounts, stuff oh, like yeah. that? Yeah. And I also feel like everyone these days, Zuck is uh, cutting people's Instagrams left and right. The Zuck cut. Yeah. It's tough. So um, <laughs> it's almost like a Wayne's world thing. All right. So um, amazing, you know, uh, company we developed because we wanted to, um, raise the profile of uh, the originator of LSD psychotherapy, Dr. Stanislav Grof, and his work in transpersonal psychology and also holotropic breathwork. This kind of our, our three pillars. It wasn't being discussed enough. And me and my co-founder, Kyle Buller, decided, why don't we just start a podcast and figure that out? And that was about seven and a half years ago. So rewinding the tape, 
um, philosophy student from New Hampshire. Um, the first book we got assigned was Holographic Universe, which is kind of talking about edge cases in science that made science look really weird. And um, I loved it. It was great. And then there was uh, a couple sections about LSD psychotherapy in the book. And I just, 2001, as a freshman in, uh, in my state school, you know, went to the library and said, I, this kind of sounds like bull. So I have to go validate. So let me go to the library. And we had a whole bunch of the books there. So I, at the same time, I was studying um, computer science and philosophy. I'm studying clinical LSD psychotherapy. I had no access, by the way, to psychedelics for years. So I jumped into holotropic breathwork, loved it, um, did it for years and years in uh, southern Vermont. And uh, then, yeah, eventually started taking the big plunge into the psychedelic landscape. And that was also extraordinary and everything I had hoped for. Yeah. So, um, 20 year career in software in the middle there. <laughs> and then, um, thankfully right before COVID, I made the, the jump to do this full time. Uh, my business partner, Kyle, he, um, is a therapist studied uh, transpersonal psychology and somatic psychology. And he kind of like holds us down more on the clinical side. I, I try to lean in specialize in the more philosophical side and technical side, maybe a little bit of legal stuff as well. Uh, I had fantasies of being a lawyer in my early days. Thankful I didn't end up there, but, uh, you know, it would have been fun probably too. So, um, that's, uh, that's kind of the origin story. Yeah. And we started selling classes to college kids, like, and, um, then doctors started showing up to those courses designed for college kids. And then, uh, we decided we really needed to professionalize and, and keep making better options. And then, um, in the last couple of years, we decided to compete head on with the biggest training institutions in the space uh, by developing our vital program, which is um, a 12 month training program. And the intent was to compete head on with the MAPS training program and the, the CIIS training program, which we don't think are fully adequate. They are the biggest, best known um, training operations in the space, but they're, they're certainly not hitting all of the needs that people have. And we try to be a little more holistic. So that's the four minute. 22nd version. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I guess, you know, you kind of hinted at it a little bit with the more holistic approach, but what has been like the biggest change you guys have focused on in the courses you were offering since the early days was the early days, just like initial education. Now it's more on the clinical side. Like what's that journey look like? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much that. So we wanted to, our initial intent was what would we have wanted when we were in our undergrad? We would have wanted a little bit of mentorship, some sort of theoretical framework and some way to be safe and some way to like bring it back together. Cause some people can get a little far out on psychedelics, um, especially when there's overuse and in universities that can happen quite a bit. Cause there's, it's a really great environment for psychedelic use. Um, and yeah, eventually we started adding on stuff that clinicians were interested in. So like, how are you going to do this in a therapy context? How are you going to work with somebody when they come back from Peru? So like, yeah, say you're a psychologist and all of a sudden 20% of your clients are talking about psychedelics and, and their interest in them. And they're, they're just doing them. Like they're not asking you to help them, but all of a sudden they come back, they're still your clients, but they went through some pretty wild experiences. How are you going to work with them? And that's kind of how we started to frame that. And, um, yeah, now we're even doing continuing ed credits, like validated through uh, APA, like we can serve nurses, therapists, and psychologists, and I think social workers, and I think uh, even Canadian clinicians can transfer those as well, which is pretty neat. Um, but yeah, it, it went from kind of like serving a really lay young population to 
now are teaching super high-end physicians all over the world. That's incredible. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to definitely get my wife on that. My wife's a clinical psychologist. So oh, great. I definitely have to, um, show her some of the content. Hopefully she can participate. She is studying for her licensing exam right now. So I don't know if she wants to go through another course, but, uh, maybe down the road. Um, but no, I mean, Joe, like you've obviously been in the space for quite some time, you know, I guess what's the biggest like transformation, you know, that you've seen and, and now looking at it today and, and seeing like states like Oregon, you know, starting to come online, Colorado decriminalizing it, you know, creating framework, Massachusetts is looking into it um, as we speak. So like, you know, what, from your perspective as, you know, I would say an expert in the field, like, you know, what are you most excited about? Uh, what are you most scared about? You know, um, any, any thoughts there? Right. So, um, I'm most excited about the gigantic amount of diversity I'm seeing and things popping up. Um, so not only are psychedelic religions popping up all over the place, but there's new indications that people are looking at diseases and, and whatnot. So that's really amazing, uh, to see progress there. Like I heard a story of somebody with this really crazy, like uh, face infection and, and something stopped working up here. And then they did one dose of a psychedelic and it all came back, like not necessarily even with the intent. And, uh, you know, what is that? So it's not just about PTSD, depression, anorexia, you know, it's, it's about so much more. Um, and that's what I'm excited about is people are seeing that it's not just a clinical tool. It's, um, a tool that can be used for so many things from social bonding to, uh, rites of passage to, you know, celebration, right. And, you know, just like cannabis kind of redefined the space of celebration and, you know, we're seeing cannabis weddings and, uh, you know, really, really amazing things coming in that world. We're going to see similarly amazing things coming from the psychedelic world once things get a little more developed. And, um, yeah, and I think we already are right. So I, I see it as a way to help us through the climate crisis and, um, a few other big things. So that's what I'm really excited about unlocking human potential to solve our biggest problems. Um, and then scared. I'm a little nervous about the medical dominance, um, that might be coming, but I'm doing my best along with many other <laughs> people to make sure that this is never going to be the exclusive purview of medicine. Um, and you know, the, there's things like you've, you've all been following probably the Canadian mushroom shop busts. Like, mm. you know, they get a fine, they get shut down and raided. They pay the fine. They open up like the next day or the next week. Right. It's amazing. Um, and they just don't have a drug war in the same way we do. So I'm, I'm excited about that kind of stuff. Um, I'm nervous about people going to prison for sure. So that's really ugly. And, you know, medicine has proven itself to be in line with the state, right. And helping, put competitors in jail. That's kind of uh, a big part of the apparatus of, of the American infrastructure here. So like, how do we, how do we uh, use people and get people like moms? Like I think the microdosing moms groups and the veterans groups are some of the biggest, most important hedges against, you know, biotech saying, no, you can't have mushrooms anymore or you can't have LSD ever, you know? So like moms should have the right to heal in the way they think is best for them and their family. Right. Some moms really want to do mushrooms instead of taking antidepressants. And shouldn't that be their right, you know, as sovereign free individuals in America, right? Uh, <laughs> debatable, depending on what judge you talk to. But mm -hmm. it's, um, 
you know, it's a big deal. And veterans, likewise, veterans, the country that they served should be helping them. And if they're not helping them and they have to get out of the country to act and to get the healing they need, like that, something is really messed up in our incentive structure, right? So we need to fix that. So that's a really big thing for me. I did some lobbying with Psychedelic Medicine Coalition in DC along with uh, Wiz Buckley, who's a retired fighter pilot trainer, like Top Gun instructor for the Navy. And um, it was amazing to see what a veteran's firsthand testimony can do for, for senators in terms of improving that that conversation in DC and getting us um, better lined up for better federal funding for research and, and keeping this project rolling. So yeah, it's overall more optimistic than pessimistic. Like I'm not really scared about too much. Like it is going to be a shit show for the next seven years. And we just know that, and we will land somewhere great on the other side, in my opinion. Yeah, have you, have, do you know um, Jesse gold at all from heroic cards project? Yeah, I really like Jesse Gold. We got yeah. to actually got to hang out with him at your offices in New York a few months back. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. Jesse, there uh, grabbing grabbing drinks in uh, in the foreseeable future. But yeah, like to your point, right? I think you know he saw an opportunity where he could properly represent you know veterans suffering from PTSD and and other ailments, right? And helping facilitate psychedelic retreats to to assist with their therapy, right? Um, but. We, we need more organizations like that. And I think a little bit more funding going into that. Right. Um, you know, to your point, um, which is, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing though, is like, you know, we always look at you know how slow sometimes the progress can be or the frustrations, right. In like, you know, something that's schedule one now coming mainstream. But if you look at it, you know, from when you initially started this seven and a half years ago, it has to be pretty amazing to see you know, the strides that it's taken and where it is today. Like yeah. seven and a half years ago, you're like, you know, there's going to be a psilocybin program in Oregon, right? Um, and, and things like that, which is which is tremendous. Um, you know, those are, those are groundbreaking moves. Exactly, it's a it's a big deal, and like I. I really hope Oregon can be really successful and scale that really well. I don't know how they're doing it. I feel like it's slower than people wanted it to be. I think they probably didn't allocate enough funds to get it off the ground. Um, and they kind of underestimated how expensive it was going to be to actually set those guys up. Um, and I'm really more optimistic about Colorado. I think Colorado will try to try its best to make a sustainable, great program. Um, that's going to, you know, really do well and really lead the way. Um, our decrim frame here is extraordinary. So I think it's what psilocybin, DMT, iboga, and um, mescaline, not including peyote, um, all have been decriminalized to the point where people can actually operate. I, people should check with a lawyer first. People can operate at a small scale um, without legal consequences. Um, you can't sell those substances, but you can possess and transfer and you're allowed to charge for some services. I think, I think there's going to be something like in Colorado that, what was it? The, since you guys are kind of cannabis, I, I kind of like bring the cannabis analogies in. I think there was what uh, <clears throat> MED, like marijuana enforcement division here in Colorado. Like it was more about tax violations. Like, are you following the rules enough? Um, and I think eventually we might see some issues where people get too big and they might get, like 
beat up a little bit by the state for, you know, tax avoidance or something like that. But I really think if they're operating small and carefully, like probably going to be fine. Uh, but then there will be a legal regulated clinical model where you can buy tested, validated product. You can use it in a clinic um, or, or sorry, validated location. It, it could be a clinic. It might be a non-clinical situation too. It's awesome. It's really great. And um, it's, it, we're so early that it's not going to be perfect, but at least it's a lot better than what we have right now. For sure. No, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts too. Um, um, you know, tying back into Canvas, obviously, ton of roadblocks going right there right now. But what are the biggest like immediate roadblocks you see for the psychedelics industry, and like what's causing um, headaches within people who are really trying to lobby and push the entire industry forward? I think the biggest thing slowing everybody down is the um, provincial attitudes. So we need a lot more unity in this space. Um, a lot of people are fighting over small stakes when, you know, the real, the real, uh, you know, David Goliath situation, the Goliath is like the healthcare apparatus, the American medical association, um, the, the DEA, um, the national science foundation, like how do we actually get cash to do research here? And so a lot of these groups probably would be best served by having a coalition serving to bring, you know, serving the conjoined needs of multiple nonprofits, as opposed to just fighting over table scraps. You know, the amount of money we're asking for is small when we compare it to like ag or oil subsidies. Um, so we need to really keep that in mind or, or how much we're spending on war, right? Like we need to, we're not spending for the total cost of war right now. And we really need to be doing that. Like we're not taking care of people in the way we need to. So we need to like, finish the job by taking care of the people when they get home. And that's a big thing that we need to, you know, consider. There's also some issues around the drug war generally, like um, that kind of trouble me. I think people need to really consider. Yeah, of course we need psychedelic legalization, decriminalization. We need, you know, better science here, but we also would be really well served as a country, as a planet, if we spent less on the drug war incarcerating people for nonviolent, legal offenses that really shouldn't be crimes to begin with. Right. Like we're not hurting people. And, you know, a lot of these people are trying to just keep themselves and each other safe and they get popped and they go away for 20, 30, 40, sometimes a lifetime sentence. Y'all saw that headline last year, 1.5 ounces. And the guy went uh, to jail for the rest of his life um, in Texas. Yeah. And you know, how many illegal shops are in New York and like nobody's going to prison really. Um, yeah. So like, how do we sort out that sentencing disparity that like that problem, you know, and we should at the same time, as we're interested in curing PTSD and all these other disorders, consider like, what if we actually also didn't harm people with our tax dollars as much and we needed less therapy? Like, I think that's also a good thing to decrease our spend on and increase some of that spend on science. And uh, yeah, unity is what I would say is what we really really need in the space. And, um, we need to work towards that and understanding each other. No, and, and it's great, obviously what you guys are doing at psychedelics today, like bringing, I feel like a lot of it is education and bringing the community together. Right. Um, and it's, uh, it's tremendous to see, you know, what you guys have done over the past seven and a half years doing podcasts before podcasts were a thing. Um, and so I think, those dividends are, are definitely paying off. And I guess 
you know, for you guys, like, what do you foresee, you know, psychedelics today, you know, morphing into over the next few years? Um, would you say like still like doubling down on the education platform, continuing with the podcast? Are there any other, you know, verticals or um, aspects within the industry that you think you'll be participating in? Yeah, we're definitely going to keep expanding our educational footprint 100% uh, worldwide for sure. We, we're expanding into uh, Israel right now and Australia, who has just legalized MDMA and psilocybin for prescription use, which is wild. Um, probably need some insurance down there, guys. And, uh, <laughs> and then um, we'll keep expanding our media stuff, so more podcasts. Uh, we just signed a deal with Oakland Hyphy, who does the psilocybin cup. Uh, so potency testing competition. So we're going to do some podcasting with them. And then um, we already did one TV show. We're hoping to get some more TV deals as well and see where we can keep go- growing there. Um, I think I think the world needs more psychedelic media. Um, and then uh, events likely. We're going to, you know, we had a, a big event planned for Los Angeles um, in, in April. Didn't work out. The venue kind of collapsed on us, but we're... Um, we're working on figuring out what events look like for us long-term. So events, media, ed, um, kind of those are our pillars. We might branch out beyond that, but TBD, like I'm trying to, you know, stay a little focused. I have a hard time (laughs) with focus, but I understand business focus pays off and like leads to better sustainability. So that's kind of where I'm looking. That's super exciting. Yeah, no, it's funny. I was was at a psychedelic event um, in, it was October, November of this year uh, in Miami. And there was tons of people internationally from Australia, different parts of Europe. So it's really, it's really interesting to see how I feel like it's much more globalized, even than cannabis um, from events that we've been to and, um, you know, countless on the cannabis side and, and getting more into the psychedelics um, over the past few years. But it's, uh, it's really tremendous to see the, the global proliferation of it, you know? Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Like, it's not as though, well, there was some of this in the 60s, but, like, people weren't traveling the whole world to just find great cannabis. Like, but there's a, there's a real, some people were, of course. But, like, um, it's a gigantic part of the psychedelic culture is, you know, finding the right shaman, finding the right party, finding the right therapist, um, or like, oh man, drug laws in Peru are amazing because you can get ayahuasca legally or, you know, so it's a big part of that conversation is more global. And, um, yeah, some places like Brazil have been studying this stuff for, for a long time, better than we have been. Um, similarly, probably in Peru as well. So universities there and, and these things are protected. I think, I think I forget which country has like UNESCO protection over ayahuasca, which is pretty amazing. Um, so like it's a world heritage situation. So getting resources from the UN to help protect that is pretty cool. So yeah, I think, I think there's probably some reasons, but it would be fun to like dig into the actual comparison eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Joe, this has been amazing. And to get your insight on kind of how you view the industry, what you're most excited about moving forward, what's in the pipeline for psychedelics today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, before we wrap things up, my man Isaac has a a few quick hitters, just kind of fun questions, and then we'll we'll get you on your way. Right on. All right, Joe. Um, 
early morning, got a busy day of trying to sign TV deals, you know, media deals. What uh, what song are you putting on to get yourself going in the morning? Oh man, let's see. Uh, nothing consistent. Let me just say for fun, Dolly Parton, nine to five. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) although uh, i'm sure building psychedelics today is not a nine to five (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's awesome um all right next one i see i see the bookshelf behind you um you know what's one of the books you turn to all the time or recommend that people people look into and read so the number one book on psychedelics I tell people to read is Jim Fadiman's Psychedelic Explorer's Guide. I think it lays out everything in clean language. It's epic. Great audiobook too. So people curious should check that one out as one of their first. Awesome. Um, all right, last one. What's uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Can be in Colorado. I'm looking, for, even though I grew up here, looking for Rex always. But uh, fa- favorite go to restaurant? Uh, I. So if I had more money, I could have a cleaner answer to this. Um, <laughs> but I think one that I had been obsessed with for years was this one in, called Domo. It was a little south of DU. Or not DU, sorry, um, Metro. It's like right there kind of on the outskirts of downtown. And it's like a Japanese garden outside. They've got a dojo. And then they have this most like amazing, beautiful, Jap- like OG Japanese style restaurant inside. It's so great. Put that on the list. That I might, mean, be, that's, that's, that might be this weekend thing. <laughs> I hope it's still open. They might have closed. I, I really hope it's still there. No, you can't get me all excited about it. Pull the rug out right from under me. <laughs> I got other recommendations if you need them. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely let you know. Well, we appreciate it, Joe. Thanks again for the time, and uh, it's been awesome catching up with you. Yeah, thank you both. Great to connect with Joe Isaac, and and I know we've met him through the Trailblazer community, and uh, another great connection. Really enjoyed hearing about his story, his background. You know, twenty years in software, and then merging into the uh, the psychedelic space headfirst, and the content that they're building out, and the platform that they're building, and access to education is uh, is really tremendous. And you know, excited to see what they have in store, you know, over the next two to five years. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, one of the things we always talk about on the, the cannabis side, and it's clearly very prevalent on the psychedelic side as well as the need for education, um, both for the people who participate in the industry as well as consumers. So um, I think psychedelics has done a really good job on that front as um, the industry is still in its very, very nascent stage. And there's a huge focus on education. Yeah. It's interesting, though. It seems like, you know, from from what he was saying, there's a lot of like, individualized education and there needs to be a little bit more unity, uh, which was interesting. Well, there's no standardization, right? I mean, it's still given the federal stating of everything, like there needs to be some sort of cohesive nature across the country at some point. So hopefully as more research to his point um, starts to come across the globe, like I feel like psychedelics is just widely proliferated across, you know, Obviously, the the U.S. is coming online, but you know, as you mentioned, Australia, other parts of Europe. So it'll be really interesting to see. For sure, yeah, excited to see where the industry goes and uh, you know play our our small role in it. Absolutely, man.